2: Listening to the Wicked
1: Library.
2: (laughs) Warning. If you haven't figured out that the Wicked Library has strong themes of an adult, sometimes violent, and decidedly scary nature, then by all means, keep listening. Go on. It's just that you're not going to complain about it. Oh, you can try, but you'll be scoffed at and ridiculed mercilessly by the host, the narrators, the producers, and you could bet your dangling participle, me. Go ahead, try it. You're not gonna like it one little bit, but our millions of listeners will eat it up. <laughs> and that's not hyperbole, kiddies. So there's your warning. Enjoy the show, kiddies. <laughs>
3: Welcome to episode number 814 of the Wicked Library. As always, before we get started today, a big thank you to our new and ongoing supporters. If you enjoy this show and want to help us keep making it, you should support us on Patreon or thewickedlibrary.com. Not only do all of our supporters get a completely ad-free show, they also get the highest quality version of the show, and you get access to our first five seasons, official bookmarks, and depending upon your level of support, you'll get to hear our bonus stories before the free listeners. Plus, at the $10 a month and above level, you'll get to hear our new show, available only to our supporters, The Private Collector. Sign up today at patreon.com forward slash wicked library or the wicked forward slash subscribe to become a friend of The Wicked Library and, of course, a friend of The Librarian. We're working very hard this season to make the show sustainable for Season 9 and beyond, and we do need your help to do that. A big thank you to those who took the time to rate us five stars and write a short review for us on iTunes. Your ratings help others find the show. And, of course, we always love hearing why you listen to the Wicked Tales we share. A few quick announcements today. First, the Wicked Library gets a lot of stories submitted for consideration. Enough that the librarian has fallen behind in his reading. So, we're looking for volunteer readers. If you're interested in getting to read short horror fiction and help suggest the best ones to make into an episode, please submit your interest and editing qualifications to librarian at thewickedlibrary.com with the word reader in the subject line. Also, since many of you have asked for it, we do have Wicked Library mugs, laptop cases, tote stickers, t-shirts, hoodies, and more now available. Head over to thewickedlibrary.com and click on Get Wicked Gear. Share your shameless love for the show by plastering our name all over everything you own. Lastly, alum author Lee Foreman's debut novella, Zero Perspective, is now available. Find out more about Lee and his novella at leeforemanauthor.com. That's Foreman, F-O-R-M-A-N, no E in there. Thank you so much to all of you for listening and supporting the show and our contributors. Please, as I always ask, if you enjoy the stories you hear, find the work of the authors and buy their work. It keeps them making more. You can find links to them and their work at thewickedlibrary.com. Now, today's episode features a story by returning author Kelly Perkins, followed, of course, by an interview with the author. Today's tale features the voices of Peter Lewis Heather Thomas Evan Schmidt Jeanette Andromeda and yours truly a big thanks goes out to Nika Viteze of We Talk of Dreams our resident composer for composing today's score in record time now let's get wicked
2: Oh, kiddies! You know who I am by now. Sit down and relax while you can. Your librarian has taken such good care of you for seven seasons. I see no need to lighten up for season eight. Hold on to your breath, kiddies. It might just be your last. Once again, it's story time. At the Wicked Library.
3: (laughs) Death by Design By Kelly Perkins Paige looked on, which was difficult to do through continually rolling eyes. How much had this medium fleeced people for under the guise of removing bad juju from a home? Or place of business. As long as there were marks like her hippy-dippy parents, she supposed the profits were limitless. What was the overhead? Some sage? Crystals? they were anything more than plastic knockoffs. They already had to clear so much trash, not to mention pay for the disposal of it. They got the place for a steal, which was just as well because it was a real shit heap but it would take months to properly gut it on their current budget, let alone the time and materials it would take to make it a home for a new buyer. And that sage wasn't helping the already pungent aroma of the place. Almost a sickly sweet smell, like that of rotten vegetables. Of decay. Not that this spooked Paige much, or that this wasn't as much her fault as anyone else's. Her parents bought plenty of houses in various states of decay, but it had been her idea to flip this one, out of curiosity about it, if nothing else. She had seen it nearly every day from the school bus, never mind that she was a little old to be still riding the school bus. Nearly every afternoon, there were some manner of van or one of those yellow rider trucks parked out back. There used to be a lot more junk, too. In the yard, scrap metal, car parts, air conditioners, always went by a little too fast to see much else. Just a brief lull as the bus turned down the intersecting road, like the hesitation of a drop of water before it lets go of the leaky faucet and falls into the basin. But apart from the disappearing act on the junk in the yard, it didn't seem much else ever changed. The house was always dark on the inside, and she never saw any people outside. Not on the collapsing porch, not loading the van not a shadow beyond the gauzy curtains hanging listless in the open windows. It was a ramshackle place with no siding to speak of, shoddy construction all around, and small, at least from the road. Once everything was cleared away, it offered a fair amount of space on the inside, provided it was well utilized. But Paige had been disappointed then too. No scraps, no clues as to what went on there. Just piles of moldy newspapers, furniture beyond repair, and leaning towers of inconsequential trash. That didn't mean she'd given up. Beneath every layer of yellowing wallpaper and carpet padding lay the promise of possibility. Paige peeled herself from the archway looking in and trudged on down the hall. She'd toured the place with her parents and... As entertaining as following the chanting flim-flam woman and her stinking weeds from room to room might have been, there was some digging she wanted to do. The tricky part was, in which dank room had she felt the bump under the carpet? process of elimination led her to bleak blue carpet, illuminated by strips of sunlight through the broken slats of horizontal blinds. She stepped carefully, box cutter in hand, "'sweeping one sneaker across the moldering baby blue carpet "'until she ran into a hard spot.
4: "'Too small to be a rat,'
3: she said to no one in particular, "'clicking the blade forward, and then... "'Famous last words.' "'She felt one corner of her mouth twitch upward in spite of herself "'as she knelt and got to cutting. "'In her anticipation, images of what it could be flashed through her mind and the rhythm of the retractable blade sawing through the dingy carpet.' Could it be a dead mouse? A severed finger? It was only a matter of time before they found something truly gruesome, right? Tentative fingers trembled over the strip of carpet she had cut free, ripping it back like a band-aid.
4: A flash drive?
3: She wrinkled her nose. Was she not relieved it wasn't a severed digit? Was she disappointed? Paige plucked the plastic thing from its resting place and held it in front of her. It was a bit anticlimactic now that she held the nondescript gray storage device in her hand. Paige! She heard her mother call.
4: Where have you wandered off to?
3: She secreted the drive away and called back, Coming! So, what's on it? James was eager, but Paige hadn't even plugged it in yet. A perfect metaphor for their relationship now that she thought about it. I don't know. She said.
4: Kind of afraid to plug it in and see. I mean, shouldn't I scan it for viruses first?
3: Again, a perfect metaphor.
0: I can bring over my old shitty laptop.
3: He was talking to her through a brand new one. Skype freshly installed not a week before.
4: You're just looking for an excuse to sneak over here.
3: So what if I am?
4: Tomorrow, James. I promise.
0: So... What do you think is on it? Or should I say hope?
4: I don't know. Judging by the condition of the place, it could be some pretty fucked up stuff. It could be nothing. I don't know.
3: She sighed, just noticing the time in the corner of her monitor.
4: I gotta go to bed.
0: Alright. night.
3: And it could have been, if the mere idea of such a find wasn't burning a hole clear to her brainstem. So many possibilities. What if it was some kind of fucked up porn? Sure, that was assuming the drive contained video files and not, say, someone's long-lost Xbox saves or pornographic photo collection. Ew. What if it was little kids? She'd have to turn it over to the FBI. And she wasn't too keen on her belongings being tossed just for them to find her weed stash. She considered tossing the drive itself, but each time the image of it going into the garbage flitted past, she pictured herself retrieving it just as quickly. What could she do? Well, she couldn't wait for tomorrow, that was for sure. Paige tossed the covers from her and hopped out of bed. The laminate floor she'd helped her parents install on their own cheaply updated flip cold on her heels. She didn't leave them cooling there for long. Paige did make sure to sanitize the thumb drive, at least the casing. She tentatively plugged the drive into a USB slot on her desktop, virus scan at the ready. Her fingers tapped a rhythm on the desk. It ever escalating as she watched the scan sift through the files. And there were videos, a few at least, according to the suffixes flying past. She was just finding her groove when the scan finished. Clean. Paige opened the drive, scanning the handful of folders it contained, with her eyes this time. Ever the completionist, like side quests in an RPG, she clicked through the less compelling folders first. Mostly RTF files she didn't care to read through at this hour, if ever. There were a few photos most from the prep aftermath of a haunted house Halloween party or props, makeup for a student project or film. Speaking of film, she was ready to move on to the piece de resistance. Oddly, the folder slimmest on content was the one labeled Home Project, which also contained all the videos. Ugh! It was worse than she feared. Paige slumped in her chair the adrenaline leaving her fingers trembling. It's... A reno diary? James half sneered.
0: You mean like what your family does? Of a sort. Paige shrugged.
4: Like some kind of old public television show? Only shittier, judging by the thumbnails anyway.
3: Paige paused to scratch under the dark river of her ponytail.
4: I don't know, I didn't read all the files, but from what I can tell, that's pretty much it. Yeah.
0: What are we waiting for?
3: He pushed his way inside in what she presumed was foreshadowing. Let's check it out. Once in her house, he allowed her to lead the way up the stairs, no doubt drooling over the way her leggings hugged her ass the whole way. This both excited and disgusted her. She found herself caught between such conflicting feelings fairly often. The trials and tribulations of being seventeen, she supposed. But wait... James's stammer got the better of him. It wasn't as bad as it used to be, and he recovered quickly. It was more nerves than speech impediment, like his mind moved too quickly for his mouth to get the words out. The house your parents are flipping, wasn't it
0: full of trash? If it was renovated recently enough to have a flash drive of Chronicles,
3: wasn't that place trashed? Paige blinked at him from the doorway to her room. At least he was using the head up top.
4: Yeah, but that doesn't mean the content is original to the drive. Besides, there was all kinds of activity there before we bought the house. Squatters, drug dealers,
3: who knows? He followed her into the room, looking all around, as if its contents held the key to the mystery that was teen girl. And uh,
0: what kind of activity could we get into up here?
4: (laughs) Cool your jets, Maverick,
0: she said,
3: quoting her mom in the process.
4: My mom's in her office just a couple doors down.
3: She really was spending too much time with her parents. It was a delayed reaction, but he made up for it with the speed with which the laugh tumbled from his metal-clad mouth. All right. She shrugged it off along with her flannel. The fitted tank top she wore underneath, sure to shut him up. Normally, by now, her desk would be an array of bowls, including the one they smoked weed out of, still warm from the smoke they blew out her bedroom window. Wet from their kiss. The only one she'd let them share. For now, at least. Okay. Said Paige.
4: Let's take a peek, shall we?
3: Yeah. Wait. Her hand hovered over the mouse. Her fingers poised above the button. What? We forgot
0: snacks. We should get popcorn or something.
3: Paige sighed. But the boy wasn't wrong. After all, they probably would smoke that weed.
4: I think we have some chips downstairs.
3: Page returned to find James ghostly pale, his mouth a silent O. "'Page,' he said when his eyes caught hers,
0: "'This is no ordinary Renault diary,'
3: he pointed at the screen. Page moved further into the room and turned so she could properly see it, the snack she held falling to the floor with a jarring, plasticky crinkle crash.
1: "'Today on To Die For Design,'
3: said the man on the screen.
1: I'll tell you how to add a, uh, <laughs> a guest room. They won't want to leave.
3: He stood in a dank gray room, probably an unfinished basement. He was ordinary enough. Dark hair, red and black plaid flannel shirt and faded blue jeans. The only unusual detail being eyes so icy and soulless she'd hesitate to call them blue. Behind him stood a definitely finished, makeshift prison cell, complete with a prisoner. Her brown hair was messy and matted in places, eyes red and watering, knuckles white as the tattered nightie she wrung in her hands. Tears cut rivers of clean skin down her dirty cheeks as she keened softly in the corner furthest from him, where she sat on a bare twin mattress set atop a concrete bench.
0: This guy's a real Leonard Lake, said James. No. Paige shook her head.
4: This can't possibly be a real anything. I mean, did you look through the Halloween photos?
0: No, I didn't look at any
3: photos. I just picked a video and clicked. Well... Now Paige was sputtering.
4: Click a different one.
3: James's hand trembled over the mouse, but he managed to click something. Cheesy titles ran for To Die for Design over the dulcet tones of an acoustic guitar. Conveniently without credits or name of the host, other than Billy. Why was that name so creepy? Perhaps because of how otherwise unassuming it was.
1: Today on To Die For Design,
3: said the man over a wide shot of the empty cell, a deep ruddy brown splattered between the floor and bench that once held the woman and her absent mattress
1: cover construction cleanup, as well as floors and foundations. How sturdy is your structure?
0: (laughs) What is this, HGTV
3: for serial killers? James said. His hand still hovered over the mouse, poised to click away at any moment. Paige kept shaking her head, her ponytail practically whipping her shoulders.
4: I mean, it's obviously a put-on, right? It's a joke. A prank.
0: Yeah, he's a real Andy Kaufman. Who? Never mind. Okay, well, what do you think it is?
4: A student project for a film class? I don't know.
3: Looks pretty real to me. James pointed to the screen again. The same man in the same clothes pouring concrete over what Paige could only pray, were horror movie props, of dismembered limbs.
1: In the old days it was not uncommon for blood sacrifice to fortify the divine protection of a place.
3: The man went on. Billy, she presumed.
1: The Japanese practice of Hito required live burial. (laughs) You'd never get away with that today. No, people live too close together, and as the old ways died with those who honored them, the uh, the offerings are much less appreciative of their position.
3: There was little difference between the smush of wet concrete and the meaty sound of flesh and blood beneath his trowel, and the more he worked the material, the less it was hard to believe in the authenticity of those parts. They looked... So... moist. Paige ripped away her gaze with a sour gulp, her face just as quickly brightening with new epiphany.
4: That house doesn't even have a basement.
3: Just how far have you dug into that carpet? His eyes met hers with so much fury. James sighed and scratched his head, looking away, but not at the screen. He let his hand flop to his side, almost in resignation. Doesn't
0: mean it happened in that house. Maybe he's done it in a bunch of houses and trashed each one to discourage any snooping.
3: This gave Paige pause, even if just for a moment, suddenly stricken by one memory of actual activity at the house. Headlights peering out at the road, and exhaust fogging the air behind the white van parked outside. A pale yellow bulb strung up between the run-down porch and a pole outside, The only exterior lighting. Again, the bus went by too fast to see much else, but that same van was parked there when she rode it home.
0: Paige, you all right?
3: Paige's eyes and mind snapped back to focus on James.
4: Yeah. As media savvy as he is, and he never stumbled on an urban exploration story on YouTube.
0: Urban exploration usually involves bigger properties, but you're on the right track. If it really isn't real, we should be able to find it on YouTube. These could just be backups.
4: (sighs) Great, like my search history isn't weird enough.
3: But it gave them an excuse to get off of the videos. An hour and several concerning search terms later, and it turned out there were lots of questionable creepy videos and horror film wannabes on YouTube. But still no fixer-upper for freaks. James looked at Paige with those wide, hazel eyes. He had turned a shade of pale rivaling the one she had walked in on only hours before. More innocent times, it felt like now. Paige rubbed her eyes and then her whole face, tilting her watch up as she reached the end.
4: It's getting late. My dad wants us up early and at the house tomorrow morning.
0: you going back there after everything we've seen?
3: In her head. She added the image of mold spidering like cracks in glass in between wall frames and wires that hung like carnivorous vines in a jungle of outdated electrical work, over which her father had done much hand-wringing. At the same time, all she could do was shrug.
4: What am I supposed to do, James? Tell my family? Oh no, on second thought we shouldn't have bought this house. That it might have bodies hidden in it?
3: She dropped her hands to her sides with an audible slap. For starters, yes.
4: Even if I showed them the videos, they probably wouldn't believe me.
0: Or they could get PTSD. What we should really do
3: is go to the police. And tell them what? Look. Paige reached over and closed out all the windows and pulled the drive out. She held it up in one hand and opened a desk drawer with the other.
4: I'll tuck this away in a safe place. Why don't we just take a step back, look at this rationally, and come back to it tomorrow?
0: All right. James stood moving to the door. I'm sure it will all be clear in the
3: cold light of day.
4: You'll see. We'll wake up tomorrow and we'll laugh about all this.
3: That was, of course, if visions of Leatherface dancing in her dreams didn't make for such a fitful sleep. Daylight came and she wanted to stay home, but her dad's knocking demanded otherwise. Paige splashed water on her face, startled by her own reflection in the medicine cabinet mirror. She was still bleary-eyed as she buckled up in the back seat of her parents' car, her mom running late as usual. She tilted her head back and closed her eyes while they waited. Visions of that all-too-convincing actress's tears, and the sound and vibration of the passenger door shutting, jarring them wide again. Her nerves were on fire. All of them. Finally, her dad said. Contractors have been there half an hour.
5: Well, they can't wait any longer,
3: her mom rebutted. Time is money. Paige moaned, echoing a sentiment her father often expressed. Right you are. Her father chuckled, putting the car in gear. Which reminds me, remember that weird cupboard we didn't know what to do with? Turns out, it used to be an entryway. To what? Wouldn't you believe it? The house has a basement after all.
2: Oh, it's not that easy to leave the wicked library. There's still an interview with the author.
6: But first, this. Coming soon. One man fights back against the system, his affliction, and the road hogs. David Lynch brings you Magoo. Starring Christopher Walken, as Mr. Magoo. I'm tired! Tired of all you road hogs! He knew contacts were the answer, but the regular places wanted too much money and too much of his time.
1: Well, we could
6: see you next month on the 15th, between 2
1: and 3.
6: That's a work day! I'd, I'd have to take time off to get there!
3: drive from your
1: office. Oh, oh, and the exam costs
6: $200. <laughs> $200 for an exam? That's robbery.
1: Yes, I know. But it's your only choice, Magoo.
6: Unless you
1: want classes. <laughs>
6: He thought glasses were his only option, and he never remembered to wear his glasses. Hey, Roadhogs! Watch out for me! And then, everything changed when he found someone who knew the secret. They... they don't want you to know about it. Who doesn't want me to know about it? Them. Big Vision. One man, one desire, one way out. Tell me. It's called Simple Contacts. They let you renew your prescription and reorder your contacts from anywhere in minutes. From work? Yep. At home? In my PJs? Indeed. The doctor's office is now wherever you are. Simple Contacts has all the brands and all types of lenses you're familiar with so you never have to shop around to find your lenses at the best price. Sounds great, but I'm not a rich man. What about the exam? (laughs) That's the part Big Vision really doesn't want you to know about. The Simple Context Vision test only costs $20, and it's self-guided. It takes you less than five minutes. Think of how much time you save compared to making an appointment, getting to the eye doctor, taking time off, etc. Plus, it's reliable since it's designed by doctors and licensed ophthalmologists review every test carefully to make sure your eyes look healthy and that your vision hasn't changed. How do I do it? It's easy. Just visit simplecontacts.com slash wicked and use the promo code wicked and you'll get $20 off your order.
3: As much as we might wish there was, there is no forthcoming Magoo movie from David Lynch. But you can definitely get great contacts fast, reliably, and conveniently from Simple Contacts at a fraction of the cost of a traditional visit to your eye doctor. Just take a quick self-guided vision test from your phone or computer it's reviewed by a licensed doctor in 24 hours and you receive a renewed prescription to reorder your brand of contacts if you have an unexpired prescription you can use that too just upload a photo of it or provide your doctor's info and order your lenses in minutes for a great price simple contacts does all the hard work for you of course this isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam you still need that occasionally. The Simple Contacts exam only tests that the current prescription still helps you see 2020 and renews that prescription. They don't write completely new RXs or examine eye health. Just visit simplecontacts.com wicked and use the promo code wicked and you'll get $20 off your order. Watch out. Here I come, roadhogs. And I can
6: see you now! (laughs) Oh, Magoo! You've done it! Again!
3: So today my guest is Kelly Perkins, and we just listened to your story, Death by Design. I wanted to ask you, what I I know from from our conversations that you had a particular person in mind for the role of the killer, Um, and (laughs) I'm a fan of this gentleman's work as well. It's the first time he's been on our show. Technically, it's not the first thing he's recorded for us uh, because we have a bonus story that's coming out later this month. Um, and it will be in the, the quarterly anthology. So he recorded that for us first. Uh, and when you mentioned that you had this gentleman in mind, I'm like, you know, I was thinking the same thing. So, <laughs> of course, everybody knows now because if they're listening to this after the story, which is what they're supposed to do, they know that Peter Lewis was in the show. Uh, so, so once we decided that we were actually casting him, I know you went back and you did some fine tuning. Tell me a little bit about... What you did to to kind of adapt that for for Peter's uh, voice and his personality and and what he can bring to the role.
5: Really, it was just I mean, what little he did speak initially, I heard in Peter's voice. So it was pretty simple to call that up. I just had to think of more reasons for him to talk. (laughs)
3: That's right yeah he's got this great dark sense of humor that comes through in all of his stuff and uh, you know I mean he's he's definitely got a, a voice that, that has some oomph and carries a lot of emotion uh, and, and I've always enjoy listening to him play a character or narrate a story and I think that uh, for your story it worked out really really well
5: I love how to see how I'm he was initially cast in those sort of creepier roles. He's like the killer. <laughs> yeah. But I've, I love to see that they've expanded that. And I feel like, his, I mean, I don't want to say anything about his acting, but I feel like he, he's grown. Maybe he always had it in him. And now he's just been able to spread his wings. But I love to see that he's been put in a more broad spectrum of roles. Yeah. And he does them all so well.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of fun to, to work with those folks. So the story itself what made this one that you wanted to tell we all know that there's a lot of work that goes into writing a story uh, there's a lot of work that goes into editing a story and, and getting it to its final form so what made you stick with this one that long to decide this is one you wanted to share
5: well um it was for it was a submission for an anthology mm-hmm. and i was just trying to play with different ideas that wouldn't be cliche for the topic which was um Well, I don't. Is it okay to say that it's the lost films anthology is what I submitted it for? (laughs) Didn't make it.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's fine if you if, if you did make it. Then obviously, it's an advertisement for the anthology. If you didn't make it, it's. You know, it, you know it's it's funny because I I have this this dilemma myself whenever I'm selecting stories for the show because we get a ton of submissions and a lot of times there's stuff that you want to do and it's just like you know it's just not quite right for what I'm trying to do with this episode or you know it's it's not quite the right tone or whatever it doesn't mean that it's bad I mean I, I I reject a lot of great stories and I'm sure that the, you oh, know yeah. the editor for the anthology did as well uh, so I, you oh, know yeah. it's it's not a negative thing at all. And certainly, it's fine to mention, you know, who it was for. Um, but yeah, I know you, you. So you wanted to keep away from the cliche topic.
5: Yeah. Wait. Well, there were um, examples given of the types of things that they were looking for, mm-hmm. and I mean, it. I think it hung in there pretty long. I. I feel like I got rejected near the end, so I. Yeah. I felt pretty good about that, and uh, I mean, no hard feelings. Obviously, it's just you know, it was. I, my goal is to just. Set a goal. Say, I'm going to submit this, right? And I'm going to make that deadline. If it kills me.
3: <laughs> so, what was your writing prompt for the for the for the anthology?
5: Well, or okay. Theme? Um, I had this idea a long time ago mm-hmm. um, when I was in my really really dark period around the time of Idle Hands. Ah, okay. <laughs> Actually, when uh, I was very anti world I guess <laughs> I mean not it's that
3: not hard it's now. not hard to be anti- world these days trust me
5: it, I'm, I've just kind of I think I've come out of I've, I've come into a brighter light recently well that's good so I'm, I'm I'm trying to just transfer all that um, aggravation with the rest of the world yeah. and make it into I'm just gonna try to be a halfway decent person
3: <laughs> yeah it's all you can Despite. do It's yeah. all you can do
5: but um it was, I thought, oh, um, well, I watch a lot of H D T V when I actually watch TV. Mm-hmm. So, and I listened to a lot of true crime podcasts and I just kept thinking, uh, wouldn't it be weird if there, if like uh, you had like a home improvement show, but like John Wayne Gacy's showing you how to fit all those bodies in the crawl space. <laughs> and then like, okay, well, what if this was like a totally bizarro world where this is sort of normal because just of our Um, absorption of violence and it just becoming kind of part of the culture Mm -hmm. Um, and like so you've got a Ted Bundy type uh, giving dating advice I don't know it's messed up (laughs) (laughs) but um, but I was like no see and I thought well what if there was a sort of found footage situation and you incorporated something as weird as that you know Mm -hmm. so that's where the idea developed
3: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I love dark humor. It's, uh, I mean, you know, you definitely have a lot of the horror elements to it. There's definitely a lot of tension, Um, but there's also, there's also some humor involved and, you know, you can't, you can't help but not love Billy. You know, it's, uh, what a great character.
5: Oh, when I looked up that thing and I'm going to get the pronunciation wrong, because I don't have the word in front of me, but the Japanese practice
3: of,
5: Putting people in bridges to strengthen the bridges, uh-huh. um, alive. Yeah. And I was like, I of course my Google search history <laughs> looks pretty bad now.
3: Yeah, you're an author. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually not an uncommon practice. They used to do that in in Europe as well. Um, you know, is mm-hmm. quite common to sacrifice even children to to try to strengthen mm-hmm. the building um to strengthen the bridge whatever so yeah that that's uh and, and peter did a great job pronouncing it i know you haven't heard your episode yeah. yet <laughs> as we're recording but he, he he knocked it he knocked it out of the park so great job by Actually,
5: him part of what brought that up for that part anyway was that story from shadows of the the shadows of the door anthology uh shoot the guy trash oh yeah I
3: narrated. I narrated them with Cindy, so I'm familiar with all the stories.
5: I hope I didn't spoil anything there. But what I initially was trying to do was because oh, again that Google search history. Um, I was I had gone back to old episodes of last podcast on the left, not to plug another podcast, but um, and we're okay plugging their, other
3: podcasts as long as they <laughs> do good work.
5: Um. Well, I, there's that's debatable. A lot of people don't like them, but uh, Leonard Lake <laughs> had the M Lady cells. Mm-hmm. And Fred and Mary West, who were horrible people, like some of the worst I've ever heard of, I think some of their children ended up in their back garden. Oh, yeah. And maybe in their basement. And I know that there was at least, maybe it was a TV show. Sometimes you get this stuff mixed up, but they do draw from reality. But I seem to remember somebody running out of room in their basement, putting people in the concrete. And that was where a lot of that, I had to go back in Wikipedia (laughs) and traumatize myself all over again because... For some reason, I like trauma. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Well, you know, there's it's I I think it's you you mentioned that, you know, you've you've recently worked through a dark period and and kind of come into light. And I think that I think that writing horror and reading horror and and, you know, putting that putting that stuff into its own perspective is very therapeutic. I, I know a lot of. I mean, like I said, I've said this, I'm sure in in multiple interviews, but horror writers are some of the most well-adjusted people I know. And I think it's because they get rid of all that junk and they figure out where it goes and they come to terms with it. Yeah.
5: I mean, not all the time. And sometimes I need to take breaks from horror, from true crime, from all of it. And from YouTube, from all the really dark stuff that I fill my head with, I can't even watch horror movies. I don't know where I get this stuff from.
3: Well, yeah, it's uh, all you got to do is look at the news and, and there's tons of inspiration. So
5: and this is why I don't watch TV. Right. <laughs> most of the time.
3: So, yeah, who What was your what was your biggest struggle with this story? And, and I guess most importantly, how did you overcome it?
5: Um, Struggle number one was just when I was writing it, I was having a really rough time personally. And uh, it just it was a struggle to even like it while I was writing it, but I had, like I said, set that goal when I was going to complete it, um, and get it in on time, which I did. But, and I, and I, I swear for like the first, like few weeks that I waited, I was like, I hated it. I don't know why I sent that. I mean, you know, but it took a long time to get protected, Like I said, but the second struggle was I have, I actually have a really hard time going there in my writing. I have a really hard time, um, with, real violence and gore not to say that I don't write dark stuff I've mm-hmm. always written I've always leaned to the dark side as much as I do the humor it's just characteristic of my work at this point or maybe at most points yeah. <laughs> I don't know that that ever wasn't a thing but um and it, it was just and you know like I said the re- and I just I think honestly and the, the listener may um, receive this too it was kind of hard to land decidedly on one end or the other was this real or not.
3: And I think that's a good thing. I think that's, that's (laughs) I, 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 I I personally, I, when I was younger, I didn't like that. And I think as I've read more and as I got older, um, I started to maybe in my mid twenties, I started to like the stories that are kind of up to you. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that that's, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, I'm so, you know, cultured. but I think that the listeners of the show kind of understand that as well, where you don't want everything wrapped in a boat. You want to be, you want to be Mm -hmm. participatory. You want to be a part of the story. So if for you, it's real, then it's real. If it's, if it's not for you, then it's not whatever, you know, I think both possibilities are interesting in their own way.
5: I do like a little bit of interpretation in stuff that I consume as well.
3: Yeah, exactly. Exactly, I think it's it. It makes the story more yours. I mean, when I when I read this and I got to the end of it, for me, it was real. But I'm not going to say that that's what the author's intent was, um, or what the listener who's listening to this right now may believe. They may have seen it differently. But it's it's interesting
5: either way. Um, well, the intent is ambiguous, but also, um, oh shoot, I was going to say something and I forgot what it was. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, gosh, I don't want to run your time up, and you have to edit a bunch of stuff.
3: Oh, that's um, fine. We don't edit at all. This is just live. People get to know you for you.
5: Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I know like it's terrible. We'll come
3: back to it. You can you can let that or you can <laughs> let that simmer in the background, and maybe it'll pop back up by the time we get to the end. One of the things that's always interesting to me in a story, you know, as someone who writes myself, is kind of what your catalyst is what comes to you first because there are times when it's it's the story the concept that comes to me sometimes it's the character i, I know you kind of said that you know the it was an amalgam of true crime and watching HDTV, but when you when you started to sit down and write was it was there a character that was speaking to you i mean was it was it Paige that was pulling you into the story or was it just the story itself and just kind of exploring what happened to these folks
5: Oh, I can remember what I was going to say and answer that question at the same time. Awesome. Um, I think a lot of true crime enthusiasts think, oh, it would be cool to find a clue to something, or um, I think there might even be people out there crazy enough to think that they'd like to find a body or something. But I think that confronted with that situation, which Paige ends up, being (laughs) Mm -hmm. um I guess Paige is the part of me that is like you know all this stuff is spooky and fun until it's real to you right and that is where pretty much the story begin begins and ends for me
3: yeah it's fun to fantasize about things but the reality is is actually um probably a little more than you can handle you know it's and um yeah, I mean it's fun when it's when it's something that's relegated to a story or relegated to a movie or or a radio play or whatever it happens to be but to actually live it uh is, is totally different obviously.
5: It's like I told uh Ms. Andromeda mm-hmm. uh last time Oh god, I lost it again. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Well, it's it's 8:30
3: uh, at night. That's what's wrong with you. You've had a full day. So have I.
5: I didn't really sleep last night and I worked all day and now I'm like, (laughs) that's all right. Um, And I had it in my head and I was just thinking, what do I call her, Jeanette or Miss Andromeda? And then I totally (laughs) lost what I was going to say. But oh, yes, yes. About the housekeeping job. Um, There were so many times that I would like the shower curtain would be closed in the bathrooms and I would think this is it. This is the time you find a body. And I would kind of like <laughs> sniff the air to see if I could sense decay. Oh, and then I would just take it. You know, I would just kind of like and open the curtain and you know, it's, it's dirty towels or it's a bunch of trash, <laughs> but it's not a body. And it's like, phew, because it's like, you know, I, I like true crime. I don't want to be in true crime.
3: Well, I'll tell you a story at the end of after we're done talking it's um okay. it's a story that that's just for you the listeners don't get to hear it but it involves things occurring in a shower and finding things in a shower that shouldn't be there maybe oh, what we'll do maybe we'll, maybe what we'll do is I'll, I'll still record it and i'll put it on i'll put the full version on patreon um so <laughs> because i don't i don't know that it's necessarily a story i just want to put out there for everybody so um, okay. But it's it's interesting. Um, I'm scared. <laughs> see, see how that works. This is a horror podcast, folks. Um,
5: it is. So it scares me sometimes.
3: <laughs> so what what draws you into what what's the fascination for you with horror and speculative fiction?
5: I think um, it's weird because I'm such a, a whiny little baby. And I can't, I don't really play horror games and horror films. Um, like I feel hurt on the inside when I get really scared. And it's usually a cheap scare. That's not even worth it. Like a jump scare or just something dumb or crazy imagery that gives me nightmares. But um, it's, it's weird because when I listen to it or when I read it, even though your mind and conceive of things so much worse I think in a way mine protects me because it just seems to be the only fiction that I really enjoy <laughs> yeah
3: yeah there's nothing wrong with that it's it's definitely I mean you know like like we had said earlier it's, it's definitely a way to work through some of the darker things in the world and, and kind of come terms come to terms with them and I think that the best sci-fi the best fantasy the best horror is is, is it allows you to work through things in a safe way. So, you know, we have these terrible things that happen in the world, and if you can take it and put it in a story and you can fictionalize it and you can work through it with a tongue in cheek sense of humor, I think it, it's it helps you get past those things. And I think that's why it appeals to so many people uh, I mean, well, aside from, from the fact that it's fun. Yourself. What's that?
5: You can confront the shadows and yourself. Exactly. Plus,
3: it's fun, right? That, who doesn't li- Who doesn't like a scary ride? You know, it's 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 fun.
5: Oh yeah. I mean, I I mean, I kind of enjoy being scared. I'll laugh about it a lot of times. Yeah. I think I'm getting a little um, desensitized. <laughs> but um, I don't. It's, and then I think it requires a good story too, like yeah. good telling, good pacing, um, as opposed to like I mean. There have been some things that have been so upsetting that I shut them off or so scary in a way that for whatever reason I was not prepared to deal with, I turned it off. I mean, I think there's a level you have to find where it's it's good, not too shocking maybe, or not just for the sake of shock value. And also, I don't know, there's, there are some creepy pastas out there I could do without.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a lot of times hit or miss with those. I mean sometimes they're just like so terrible. Uh, other times they're they're really well done. It's it's um there's really not a lot of in between in in those things for me anyway. Um, but yeah, there's some there's some people that can tell some great stories and there's some folks that well, they struggle a little bit. But you know, the, the 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 good ones are definitely very disturbing.
5: There was one on No Sleep a while back mm-hmm. called We Forgot About Muriel. And it was at once so upsetting and yet so well done that yeah. even though I was like physically a little nauseous at the end of it, I was like, whoa, <laughs> now that's how you tell a story.
3: Yeah, yeah we... um We've had uh, our friend John Grills, who who is has been on this show before, um, as both a writer and a narrator. does a show called Creepy that is basically focused on those creepy pastas. And uh,
5: didn't he do a Small Town Horror as well? He
3: did. That was his first show. I, and then uh, I
5: listened to that one.
3: Yeah. Yeah, John's a good guy. He uh, he's he's actually going to be in uh, an author in. We have a, an anthology coming out for our other show, The Lift, which is going to be all these new stories that have never been done before. They're probably two to three times the length of the stories that you hear on The Lift. Uh, he's one of oh, the wow. one of the authors for that. Um, he's written for the show for that show before as well, but uh, John's a great guy, and uh, Halloween's exciting because he does uh, for last Halloween, and I think he's repeating it this year. And he does uh, a new creepy, a new episode of creepy every day for the month of October. So
5: wow, that's gonna be tough. <laughs> Podcasts are no joke. I mean, I was uh, do yeah. one and then we <laughs> recorded like one episode, and I'm actually kind of glad it got canned because it ended up. Being about a case that we would have looked so stupid had it come out, I think. It,
3: it's a lot of work. People don't realize, you know, the until they try to do it, just the amount of work that goes into, you know, even if you're just narrating a story yourself, I mean, you know, you're going to make mistakes and you have to go back and clean it up and edit and fix it, and make yourself sound the same. And but when you get into the newer layers where you have multiple actors involved in a story like today's, uh, and like we've you know started to do at the end of last season through this season you know you're you're lining up nobody's in the same room so you're lining all that up so it sounds natural oh, like right. everybody's in the same room then there's this custom score that goes behind it at least we do a custom score for all of ours and there's just layers and layers and layers of it and and that's just to get the audio done and you know then you get into keeping the websites updated and getting the stuff out there and making sure that it's available in all the the pod you know the podcast feeds and everything so yeah, there's a lot of work involved, um.
5: and you work a full time job, right? So, like, yeah. that's 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 yeah. a labor of love, right there. That's yeah. why I love this podcast so much, and it has it's it's I loved it from its inception to its growth because it is just I about be conception, but anyway, uh, <laughs> it's just it's why I mean. Yeah, it's a labor so of love. I'm an it's never des- and I have no words. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's designed this is such an honor to be here. Like Wow,
3: oh, thank
6: you.
5: You make all my dreams come true. Oh. I, I I once dreamed of the day that I would be interviewed by Daniel Foytik.
3: <laughs> well you can cross it's that nice. off your list. How'd it go for you? <laughs> Terrible. And, uh,
5: <laughs> and Peter Lewis voice to story and David Olt voice a story. Yeah. And I just gotta come up with something for everybody else. That's right. <laughs>
3: Well, you know. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean it's 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 a lot of fun to do it. I mean, I enjoy doing it or I wouldn't do it, but it's it's also like you said it's a labor of love. It's it's about the authors. It's about trying to get um, the folks that work so hard as independent authors to get their their stories out to a large larger audience and to try to introduce them to new listeners who want their work.
5: They got to meet Astra and Rainbert. <laughs> right. They're my boys. Yeah. It's a
3: way of trying to grow the community, I guess, to, you know, to connect everybody together because we have authors and artists and, you know, the, the, listeners, of course, and everybody kind of comes together around the show and it's, uh, it's just a lot of fun.
5: It is, it is a beautiful community and I'm so honored to be a part of it. And it's all <laughs> because of you guys that I have, I'm friends with all these wonderful people on Twitter and it, it's just great. And we all support each other. Yeah. They're wonderful.
3: Yeah, it's it's a nice community, and, you know, and I think that that's one of the one of the other things. I mean, obviously, at the end of the interview, this is one of the things that I always like to talk about, and that is those who listen to the show, like yourself, in the beginning, and are inspired and, and want to write. Um, the interviews are helpful because it kind of gives people some perspective, and it gives them some tips, and it gives them some encouragement, and um, you know, people always say that they learn a lot from the interviews, so. Since you've started on this journey where, you know, you started writing and, and you've kind of continued and you've, you know, made it something that you want to submit stories and, and you're kind of a working writer now. Uh, what are some tips that you would give to yourself when you first started this journey?
5: Um, don't give up on stuff. Keep a folder. Even keep dumb stuff that you scribbled in the middle of the night. Um, <laughs> you know, sit on it for a while. You might you might finish it one day or you might use it in something else. Hey, something's not working. Combine it with another work. If two things aren't working, you know, put them all together. See how it all plays. And sometimes you get a complete story that way. And it's just, I think that the, um, there's an old image. I don't know how old it is. Like, it's an image. It's been on the internet for a while of Neil Gaiman. And he's holding his hand up and it's he's got words written on it in Sharpie. And I oh, I don't have them memorized, but. One of the main things he has written there is finish things, you know, and basically keep writing or keep making art, and yeah. I think that's the best advice: is just you, the only sure failure is giving in and never trying.
3: Write, finish things, and keep writing.
5: Did you did you find it? I did. I did. <laughs> All right, yeah, that's the one. Neil's,
3: Neil's been, really been on the show before, so you know.
5: I know. Yeah. So you. <laughs> I you, love him. He's my favorite.
3: He's awesome. So where can listeners find more of your work? They've listened to the story. They're like, I want more Kelly Perkins. Where can they find more of your work?
5: <laughs> Ooh, that would be a dream. Okay. Well, I think my cat's beating at the door. So, yeah, it's probably about time to wrap this up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I have a novel that I wrote a couple years ago that I cleaned up and posted back up on Amazon mm-hmm. um, because I'm impatient and I self-published it once already um it looks a little intimidating in paperback at 600 pages but if i fix that spacing it'll go down a bit it's about 90,000 words it's not that intimidating but it's this mortal coil and it's uh you can find me under my name and that title there's also another book called that but i swear i put mine out first (laughs) and i did not retitle it because i already had a cover made yeah and that cover i I still like looking at it but it's a dark fantasy it's about a, a weather god And his sort of ragtag crew of misfits and, you know, trying to save the world and all that. Um, and then of course there's Twitter and Instagram. I don't really do Facebook anymore. And that's all at Kelly P five thirty nine K K E L L I.
3: Awesome. So is there anything you're working on? Anything that's, uh, that's coming out soon? Uh, Anything that, uh, people can look forward to?
5: I, I've started a novella I've got a bunch of projects I've got a bunch of irons <laughs> in the fire and they're all just kind of blazing awesome. and I'm I'm running around the workshop screaming and tearing my hair out and it's a lot of fun over here <laughs> I'm just happy to be on the Wicked Library Aww. well
3: we're happy <laughs> okay. to have you
5: oh this is the best place I just just stick me in the back somewhere among your stacks or something that's I'll right just, I'll just hang out with a
3: librarian
5: before. yeah I'm cool with that that's right he didn't scare me that much. No. I, mean, he, I don't know. How's the stench? Is it is it bad?
3: He it's kind of a dry rot. It's uh it's 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 mm. mummified flesh. It's it's all right. A little I can't bit of and he wears brute, you know, so it's all good. He's, okay. a, fa- he's a fan I, I of can, brute. I
5: can handle brute. That's right. I mean as long as it's not axe, I guess, right?
3: No, no. Yeah.
5: Not those Nobody Christmas tree that. air fresheners like in <laughs> seven. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well I know that you do. Are you still doing the newsletter? You used to do a newsletter too, right?
5: Oh, I no, I'm still doing it. It's just been a little patchy of late because yeah, um, I understand well, that. We, we had a, a death in the family, and oh, yeah, um, you know, just I was changing jobs, and my cat having a flipping fit over there. I hope he's not interrupting the feed.
3: No, you're fine. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, <laughs> Life happens, and I understand that. It's I mean, um, it's a lot of work well, to do this, you know.
5: The one beaten at the door is the one that's been sick. So oh, you know, okay. we also had to deal with his yeah. his medical troubles too.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's always tough.
5: I'm just much. trying to, I mean, at this point I'm like, I, I never made it to the consultation. So I'm like, do I, I know the surgery is very dangerous and I, I can, I'm concerned about even going through with it, but I'm going to wait till the consultation till, because yeah. my vet tells me he's not ready to cross the rainbow bridge yet. So
3: that's awesome. That's it's keep him as long as you can. It's always tough when they go. Always tough.
5: He's he's only four and I'm just yeah, he's the best boy. And I everyone on Instagram, I mean, they all know this already. Any anybody who does know me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they they know all this, I'm sure.
3: <laughs> well, I do thank you so much for taking the time to talk and, and thank Sorry, you for
5: that was sending a good your counter to end on. Oh, we're fine. <laughs> we're fine. We're fine. <laughs>
3: Yeah, no, I I really appreciate you sending the story in and taking taking time to talk, and obviously we'll uh, we'll do it again in the very near future. You know, we'll, we'll probably we'll, we'll maybe have some stuff going on for Christmas time. We'll see.
5: Oh yes, yes, yeah, yeah there 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 there's always uh those chris massacre episodes and whatnot i was on the one last year and that yeah. was really great to be invited to that i'm just i'm happy to be invited i'm happy to talk to you i'm happy that you accept my stories <laughs>
3: awesome well we're happy that it you send very them. happy well that's good I'm glad to hear I'm it. i'm glad that's, I'm that's glad what we we're about mutual, is spreading joy
5: yeah i'm glad we have a mutual arrangement here
3: that's right well thanks so much i'll let you take care Thank of your you. kitty and uh we'll talk again soon
5: Great, great. I'm I'm glad to be here and you guys get on that Patreon. That's
3: right. That's right. Oh, yeah, speaking of Patreon. So, for those that are Patreon supporters, do, do you uh do you want to hear the story? Oh,
5: yeah, yeah. Do you?
3: Yeah. I, I don't know how good not. it is. We'll we'll try our best. So, Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Wicked Library. The Wicked Library is a Ninth Story Studios production, ninthstory.com. If you enjoyed the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Wicked Library. You can be a part of helping us keep the shows coming for as little as $2 a month. All supporters get wicked fun rewards like bookmarks, access to our archives, bonus stories, and more. The more generous you are, the more wicked the rewards are. Don't forget, too, you can also pick up some Wicked Gear to plaster all over yourself and everything that you own over at thewickedlibrary.com and click on Get Wicked Gear. The Wicked Library is proud to have Booth Junkie as one of our Season 8 partners. Booth Junkie is a YouTube channel dedicated to the tech of at-home professional voiceover created by the very talented Mike Delgadio. If you've ever been interested in getting into voiceover, seeing what goes into voice work, or just can't get enough of Mike's voice, it's a great channel to watch. You can find the channel by going to BoothJunkie.com. Complete credits and full show notes, including links and information from today's episode, can be found on the wickedlibrary.com. You can also find links to our Twitter, Facebook, and iTunes page. And, of course, the work of the narrators and authors of today's show. And, of course, links to the work of everyone involved in making today's show happen. Until next time, go ahead, leave the lights on.
1: That's the way Billy likes it.